You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, everyone. It's me, Bridget Albert here. I had the opportunity to chat with Miss Lynette Marrero. She's a mixologist, philanthropist, best known for creating the world's first all-female speed bartenders competition, Speed Rack. She's an honoree in the Tales of the Cocktail Dame Hall of Fame. She's also the co-award winner for Mentor of the Year for Tales of the Cocktail. She's considered a pioneer in the beverage industry, mentor to so many. And on this episode, she shares with us her journey and love for our industry and love for those that are doing the hard work. So grab yourself a Maker's Mark cocktail and enjoy the show. Lynette, welcome to Serve Up. I'm so excited to have you on this episode. I'm so excited to be here. I love, I've been watching what you're doing and I'm really excited uh, to be a part of the conversation. Happy to have you. Um, can you tell us, you know, what have you been up to? So I think like everyone, I've been figuring out how to, you know, stay active in a business that is primarily based on people coming together and doing that without coming together. But it's been it's been an interesting year. It's been a lot of self-discovery. It's been a lot of finding new pathways. I love our industry because it is, you know, we've always been flexible and have had to figure things out and nimble and we deal with crisis management on a daily basis. So I feel that we are kind of equipped you know, openings and reopenings and reopening again, we've just figured out what our systems are. Luckily, we've had really incredible teams who are part of our family who believe in the restaurants and want to come back and 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 help us make it a reality. So that's been that's been really comforting and a team that also feels invested in, you know, really investing in our people and the people that are coming back and the restaurant workers and and that's that's really important. But then otherwise, I've been just kind of, you know, using all the time that I'm not spending on airplanes in more functional ways, like setting up real routines for myself. I don't think I've had three meals a day for ages. Uh, now that I have this thing called breakfast, I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. Um, that there was just on the weekends and we just called it brunch and that was it. Um, finding lots of different things to do. Uh, I found a great pathway into consumer cocktail world and, and online and virtual, uh, just luckily. <laughs> so I was kind of poised two weeks before shutdown to kind of be ready for it through those channels. And then, you know, just trying to stay creative, trying to keep thinking forward, really preparing for welcoming guests back and being excited to put new things in front of them that draws them out of their house. <laughs> like, like now that they've put, I, I've already taught them how to make cocktails online. Oh no, what do I have to do now to get them in back into the space? So thinking of all the new things we can do that when they want to go out and be treated that we're creating exceptional experiences. Well, I, I just love that you're trying so hard to get people to get past their driveways. Um, <laughs> because 
I, I know that myself, you know, I haven't been really out of my hometown since only maybe once or twice since last March. So yep. yeah, yeah, I, I understand. And you know, Lynette, you are so well loved in our industry and you do so much good work for everyone across the country and around the globe, really. But for those who really may not have never heard your story, can you tell our listeners, you know, like where you come from and what was your road like in the beginning? And how did you get to where you are today as this trailblazer and pioneer for not just for women either? It's for all. I, I mean, it's been a lot of actually the kind of work that I've been doing during during this time um, is I'm one of the founding members of an organization called the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. And we started uh, in 2016, um, just shortly after, and and it seems that we found our calling really during this time because it takes a long time to set up a not-for-profit. So the amount of time it took to set up the not-for-profit and get it going, and then we've been a big uh, resource for the community. So with our that we've worked on through Southern Smoke to the zero interest loan program that just is launching and just launched this week, which is going to be giving grants to uh, businesses coming back and really looking at marginalized businesses and ones who are small, who are really invested in their restaurant workers. And hopefully those when those loans are repaid, they get back to the community and there'll be a nice cycle of, of funds coming to help those uh, individuals who really need it. But I started in this industry just kind of like I think a lot of people, you don't really you know, set out. And I think that's, this is where it's different. At least when I started, you didn't set out to say, I'm going to be a barkeep for my life. This is what I'm going to do. You know, I had lots of other things going on. I was doing musical theater and living in New York and doing the thing, pounding the pavement and, and traveling and doing shows. And I was very reluctant to be the cliche waiter actor because I didn't want to be that person that was not dependable. I don't want to be the person who's like, I'm here for right now, but I'm going to leave in two weeks and I'm going to be gone for three months. And so when I finally did find this industry, kind of after 9-11, because at that point, what I was doing in the meantime was temping in offices. And after 9-11, I'm like, well, I'm never going to an office again. So I better figure out this hospitality thing. And luckily, I grew up around food and drink. I'm from a Puerto Rican family and good drink and good food is all a part of how you communicate. So being around and in hospitality just kind of seemed natural. So I, I was able to talk my way into a job like everyone else, fudging your experience, being like, I can handle it, no worries. But then just working uh, really hard to make sure that I could do it. I started in a wine bar um, and I loved it. I loved, you know, learning a global wine list and just meeting people and, and giving them a, a great experience. I found so much joy in that exchange and the kinds of people that come to bars and restaurants. I fell in love with who those communities are. And so I kept working in this industry. Wine bars started in different like martini lounges and 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 that's what they were called back in the day. Everything was a teeny. And mm -hmm. uh, then found uh, the Flatiron Lounge. Uh, I was working cross town from Julie's new bar, the new bar, when I went in there. And my friend and I, who were working at the other bar cross town, we would start going every Thursday night to the Flatiron Lounge. And we found it. And we're like, this place is amazing. It's so beautiful. It's Art Deco. And it's run by these women who are really powerful. And all the juices here are really naturally, beautifully colored. They're not, you know, some sort of process juice. And, and everything was just so incredible. And it was, it brought me back to wanting to invest and be in working in a place where I felt that there was a lot of, there was a reason to be there. I wasn't just working just to pay a bill, but I could find something in it that I was passionate about. 
And so I started working at Flatiron Lounge. And while I was there, that's kind of where I kind of fell in love with cocktails. And like, I love a good theme. So the fact that it was Art Deco, I could dress very 1940s. And, you know, Julie was doing flights the day. So I kind of got a really deep dive into classic cocktails and the range of cocktails just by even being a server, because I'd have to learn three new drinks every shift. And that kind of gave me this like nice, fast track. I was like, okay, well, I'm not just going to learn the name of them, what's in them. I want to know all those different steps, which then led me to being able to get behind the bar and being supported by the team there to advance into the bartending side of the gig, which I loved. I was like, this is great. I'm a multitasker. I can do this. And I kind of never really looked back from that point. I started you know, we were so lucky in New York, especially at that time, to have everyone coming through the city, lots of brand people, people who were bringing new products into the market, we would see it first. And so it was a very exciting time. And, you know, I'd meet people like Charlotte Boise when she first moved to New York and Simon Ford and, and Gaz Regan and Dale DeGroff and Jerry Banks and all these people who you're just kind of reading about in these uh, iconic places. And I, I was lucky enough to be able to make drinks for them. And so it became a really like a, a, rena- a renaissance, if you will, of a time and, and being, being there and, and having firsthand access to those people was really important. So then I started working in, uh, while I was at Flatiron, I started picking up more shifts uh, and started working in restaurant bars. And I worked in a place called Freeman's and Freeman's was this like gastropub back down an alley. It's still there. Like you go back down alley, like the cool place, like you know, lots of taxidermy on the walls and they were doing cocktails with fresh juice. So I started to think about, oh, this is fantastic. I'm going to be able to work in, you know, the hours are better for me. I liked restaurant working hours. I, you know, like I want to get home. My husband's a day walker. I need to like, I love this industry, but I really can't be closing bars at four in the morning. And that was a really great uh, step for me because it started realizing and giving me a focus of where I wanted to go. And so I started doing some work. I, I consulted on a restaurant um, called Elitaria that I was working on. And I brought Brian Miller, who was a friend who I had met through the industry. And he was working at Death & Company. I'm like, hey, you want to do this menu with me? I know I've never done a menu before. My friend's opening this place. And the cuisine was Indian. And it started making me think about how you can pair food and cocktails. And the program was super successful. And that was a really just great highlight. And I realized that I had so much that I wanted to learn from chefs and I wanted to really stay in this foodie culinary cocktail world and that I could help bridge that gap. And like most things that that didn't end up well at that point, uh, I think there was still so much to learn. I think I've loved how much back of house and front of house have started to work together. But I think still at that time, it was a bit of a struggle to understand how we can amplify and bring each other along. It was still like, you have your space, find a little corner of the of the kitchen. You're like, sorry, I'm just going to stand right here and not be in your way. And now where things are really collaborative. Um, and then from that opportunity, I ended up working as a rum ambassador and getting a gig as uh, actually this is a cup of rum ambassador. Um, and that was a really interesting shift for me because I hadn't worked in corporate since I was temping. And so learning what it was like to work with a brand and, you know, I did, I learned so many incredible things. And I always, whenever I meet young bartenders and they, you know, I'm like, there's so much to learn about working in brand side. And I do think it's extremely valuable because once you want to have an understanding of what it's like to be within the companies, you know, I felt that I could offer them a lot on perspective as well. So it was a shared perspective. It gave me a lot of insight into how how they see things. You know, I think when we're 
bartenders, we see one side of our coin, but you have to realize, you know, I started to understand that there were lots of different ways the relationship works together. And that was a really, I found that that was really impactful for me, but I miss being able to consult and work on, you know, training new bartenders. And so I was, I, I left it in, in good standing, but I decided to go back and I've, I've worked with them now um, as a consultant um, for years, but I, I wanted to get back into consulting and doing restaurants and start working on this other side of my career, which was also doing events for different brands. And so I just kind of wanted to broaden my network. And so I, I left and I started doing that and worked on the current programs that I'm at, which are the Llama Inn uh, and Llama Sun in New York, where I'm working very closely with the chef there and have for the last five years to really really push this idea of food and cocktails, how they work together, but adding an extra layer of how to authentically celebrate, you know, a culture and bring that cuisine to modern city spaces and give it a new voice. And and that's been really great discovery. So I've really enjoyed kind of being back in that. And especially during this time, it's because I've been here all the time. It's a lot of deep diving into a lot of parts of the business that you know, before I wouldn't have been doing, but everyone's kind of doing lots of different jobs and roles. And and that's been extremely rewarding during this time. Um, but somewhere in all of that, <laughs> the million things that I was doing, um, I said I got into event work a bit and I had been doing, um, you know, different brand activations and events for brands. The first one, whoever hired me actually was St. Germain. I met Rob Cooper um, when, when, I, when I was working at Freeman's and he I don't know what he saw in me, but he was just, he just kind of came back in a couple of days later and asked me to work on a drink for him. And I did. And then after I like dialed in this cocktail with him, he's like, Hey, do you want to start running these events for me where you're going to tell all of these, you know, catering bartenders how to do their job and how to make the drinks right? I'm like, sure, I'll do that. But I don't know what you see in me that says I can do that. But he did. And I ended up excelling at being able to tell them. And so I did start a, a small cocktail catering company that I was mostly working with brands and elevating their experience at different events and things. And then throughout all of this, like one of the things that I found when I branched into brand work was that I was kind of living in my own little bubble. You know, I had my people that I knew through, you know, all the different bars that I was at. And I didn't really go out of that bubble. And those people were all working in the same accounts. So I was going to Pago Club and I was going to Flatiron Lodge and I was going to Depp and Company and just in my little circle. And I, outside of that, I didn't realize that there were just so many more incredible bartenders that I didn't know. And most of them were women. And so I started meeting these incredible women bartenders. And I just thought to myself, well, why aren't, why don't people know who they are? Why, why have we stopped, you know, like really recruiting more women into the craft scene, like what's going on? So I started in 2009, the New York chapter of LUPEC, which is Ladies United for the Preservation of Endangered Cocktails. And that's where I started to, I met Misty Kalkofan and Kirsten Amen um, of the Boston chapter and saw that they were doing these um, charity events and they were bartending at these charity events, but raising tons and tons of money for women's-based charities. And I took that model and brought it to New York. And it was a way for me to get all of these women bartenders to work together. And so we would do takeovers or bars and do lots of charity events for things like Bottomless Closet and Dress for Success and all these different things that we thought would were ways we could help our community 
to help women in our community, but also creating this like sisterhood and bond. And that's where I met Ivy Mix, my partner for Speedrack, which we started in 2011. So almost on our 10th year in June. And we started it as a kind of to, uh, to replicate and offer what we felt we were lucky to have. We had one access to people like Dale DeGroff and Julie Reiner and Audrey Saunders. And we were, classics were drilled in our brains. Bars were busy and places in big cities are not patient. And you need to get those drinks out fast. So we created this competition um, of speed and accuracy based in classic cocktails but for women bartenders. And that idea was instead of bearing the weight of being the woman in the competition, they were all the women in the competition. So you could only focus on who these women were and how incredibly talented they were at what they were doing. And based on the same principles of my Lupec events, we wanted to make sure that we were doing something for the community at large. And that was raising money for breast cancer um, charities. And we've raised, I think at this point, nearly a million and a half dollars globally for breast cancer and have built these communities of of speed rack all over the world. And it's, and I love seeing how much they all still communicate and are in touch and on WhatsApp groups because it does just create a foundation. And it was about bringing us all together rather than us all, you know, working individually and, you know, this idea of mentorship and, and bringing people up with you and that community just was built. And it's, and, you know, it's, it's stayed going for these past 10 years and it still is happening now in virtual ways uh, through our mentorship program, but the community that it built, you know, brought everyone there. And I, what I appreciated was that, you know, the, the men in the industry understood what we were doing and would throw support behind the women that were in their community. And the women, instead of kind of what people expect women are going to do, which is start trying to cut each other down, were actually extremely supportive and uplifting each other. And it was just a great way to show that we would raise all tides, not try to suppress each other and climb over each other to get to the top. So I'm very proud of all that work that, that we've been, we've done these past almost 10 years. <laughs> I can't believe it's been 10 years. I remember your first speed rack in Chicago, actually. Um Yeah. It's been such a joy and a pleasure to watch the journey of a speed rack and watch it evolve and really explode because it's really important. And I just want our listeners to know that, I mean, speed rack is a real deal. When you raise money, you are genuinely reinvesting it into either, you know, families that have had maybe loss with breast cancer. You, you're really putting it back where the funds need to be to support funding around that terrible disease. And I always like to say, fuck you, cancer. And I know personally, you you really helped out. You know, one of my good friends had passed from breast cancer and she left five children behind and Speed Rack was pretty awesome to, to donate some funds to her hospice. And for a family that doesn't have anything that meant everything to her legacy. So um, I'd like to take just a minute. And I know I've thanked you a bazillion times, but I just want to thank you again, because your work is important work. And we, you know, I think that's what's really important. I think communities are very open communities. And with the amount of work we've seen, you know, when we hear the reports from the the charities that we work with, which we highly vetted, um, when we see the work they're doing and when they give us the report of what, you know, our community has raised all this money and given to these organizations and what they've been able to do with it. One of the companies that donate to 
they actually did a huge study about the disparities of breast cancer with BIPOC communities, and they're doing extensive research there. So this February, all of the fundraising we're doing is going to help that program. Such a generous community, people, the events, and they raise so much, which has been the hardest part of not traveling is, is not being able to have those events and raise, fundraise. Luckily, we almost finished our whole season last year, um, so we were able to keep it going. But this year, you know, we we really worry about the shortfalls for those organizations this year. Yeah. And, and, you know, for those of you that have not attended a speed rack, I just want to tell you, it's very joyful. It's so fun. <laughs> you know, it's like after you leave, you know, if you've ever gone to a church or a concert or anything that just really uplifts your spirit and your soul, you know, that's what speed rack does. It just fills a community up with so much love and positivity that you kind of leave there kind of walking on air. So good for you. You know, you bring joy to communities and you show us a really damn good time with those speed rack events as well. It's true. It's what I miss most. I miss that sense of uh, joy and celebration from our community together. I think that's been probably the hardest part um, of kind of the distance from everyone. But we'll get back there and I'll be able to toast and and see where we all came, you know, we how much stronger we all are at the end of all of this. So. Absolutely. Um, can you tell our listeners about what SpeedRack is doing and what you're doing virtually? You mentioned you mentioned like the mentorship program. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and maybe some other things that we may not be aware of that SpeedRack is currently um, doing in that virtual space? Sure. So the big big one and which has taken the most time has been this mentorship program that we wanted to implement because you know we're realizing if you look at the stats, women have been left behind during the pandemic in larger numbers. Hospitality sector has been one of the most affected sectors. And then when you drill down those numbers, it's a large amount of women. The percentages are much higher for the unemployment or um, just women are just affected by it more. have to be the caretaker, primary caretaker, and this has set women back. So we're seeing that in right now in hospitality. So what we decided was that we really wanted to set up a program to get a connection between the women, because it's it's not about, like we said, it's not about competition. It's about sharing of your ideas and sharing of resources. So we're launching um, this March a mentorship program that is going to see, I think we're up to about 85 mentors, which is amazing. Um, and they will mentor 85 mentees. It's a six-month program. And it's we're ranging it in everything. So what we figured is, you know, what's really this pandemic has kind of shown, especially I think bartenders have always been kind of gig workers. Um, and so we want to kind of keep nurturing those creative ideas. And so we've reached out to um, Bridget's mentor and we reached out to women that we have seen who have, have really just always been out there leading by example of what the possibilities are and decided to build a program where that can be shared in a more formal setting because it is, you know, I think it's hard sometimes, you know, we can all look at social media and think we see what people's life is, but it's only a, a, a certain percentage of what you're seeing and what people want to put out there. And I think it's really important to create real connection. I think during times like this, I think that's what we're craving, a safe space to have that connection. We're really uh, taking that part of this extremely seriously on how how we mentor, what that code of conduct looks like, what that social contract between the mentor and mentee looks like, because it is, you're, you're both choosing to enter into a relationship that is going to be, I, I hope, as rewarding for the mentors as it is for the mentees, but it is about 
you know, how we properly mentor people and, and what that looks like and how that exchange happens. So really excited to see um, how everyone's matched up and what that's that whole, how that's going to come out. So what I loved is in our first mentor meeting, a lot of the mentors just already just had ideas of how they wanted to be like, hey, maybe we can co-mentor when there's points and just the different um, things that we want to add. And that's what makes it like I think the reason why any speed rack programming is is great. It's because the people that are in it, it's about the people that make it. And so I, I'm really excited just to see like where we go, what our check-in points will be. And this is a new kind of program uh, to launch it. So it's a little intimidating, but I'm really optimistic that, you know, I think just setting some sort of formal program, I hope will be something that we can do more. And I, I always listen to like things like Melinda Gates. I saw her speak. Um, actually, one of the last things I saw before pandemic was her on uh, David Letterman's show. I, I got to be in the audience and she just talks a lot about the importance of mentorship and raising up women and, and you know, lending a hand, especially to, you know, if we want to change the landscape of what craft bartending is going to be or the, or the upper levels of this industry, then we have to invest in refilling the, the applicant pool with people who are diverse and who have had the tools to be successful. And that's which we are prioritizing live health bartenders is an opportunity to safely ask the questions, ask, you know, have a space where you can grow and learn before, you know, you're set up to go into a space without support. So I think that's the most important thing that I want to see come from it is a really great support network for, for everyone in the, in our community, as we maybe change jobs, think about adding different jobs to our, to our workload. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of, I've been just really impressed to see what a lot, all the creative things that the women have been doing. Um, some people have started doing TikTok classes and Instagram things. And so other people have set up, you know, started their own little cocktail mixer companies. And so I think just a little guidance on like, hey, all right, what are you going to do with that in the next step when we go back is going to be a really great thing. So I'm excited for those conversations to happen. Well, I, I'm so happy that, you know, I, I get to be a, a small part of this, but I, I do think that you're really creating that space that can ultimately um, create some real change in our industry as well by supporting women, uplifting women. And you know, as well as I do, that it's not always the easiest place to be in the industry being a female. I do think that times have changed tremendously um, over the course of the past, even, you know, I, and I'll just say it because I'm old. That's <laughs> like 25 years plus. It's been, it's definitely has uh, had a change. And I, you know, during this past year with the social unrest mm-hmm. and um, just so many waking up to a new dawn of change, right, has been unsettling, I think, in all the best ways <laughs> for people to get off their asses and be engaged and be part of it. So, what you're doing is something that I highly, highly commend, and I'm so excited about it. It's amazing. Well, and, and all of you who have signed up are committing time and energy to this, and I think that's important, right? It's really easy to, and it's and it took us a while. We wanted to make sure we did this program right. I think there is this like reaction when a lot of, when things happen, right? You're like, I just must react, and we had to 
you know, we reacted personally and we thought about it through our businesses. But when it came to setting up what this program was going to look like, we wanted to take time to really think and talk to a lot of people who want this kind of support and really look into like what kind of support is really needed because we can come up with programs all day long, but if it's not sustainable support, then you're not setting anyone up to actually succeed. It's just a momentary uh, blip. And so I'm really excited that this, you know, as we've passed the program by lots of different people who were asking, we just asked the questions like, what kind of tools can we give? And the mentorship program just really came out as something that I think will, you know, hopefully be the a, a good answer to at least start uplifting um, more women in this industry in, in different ways that are more targeted um, and, and more direct. So I think we, we're going to be able to drill into a, a lot of different areas, which I think is the best part about it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, um, I want to tell you that every single time and just shifting gears a little bit, every single time I go on social media, I see your face <laughs> and I see this ad that pops up like a hundred million times. So that's how often I'm, I'm you know, social media every single day. And it's this thing called masterclass. <laughs> and it's so fun that, <laughs> you know, it's definitely all over Facebook. It's all over the Instagram. It's all over everywhere. You can't get away from Miss Lynette. And I love it. And I want you to tell our listeners, what is masterclass and what are you doing? So it sure, looks so, so cool. It's really Kind of crazy. Uh, masterclass.com is this incredible resource, um, which I only found out about last September 2019. And it's this incredible, it's an online subscription. So kind of like a Netflix, but what they curate is different conversations from different professionals. So there's lots of chefs on there. Uh, Ron Finley is one of my favorite, the gardener, gangster gardeners on there, Anna Wintour, Steve Martin. So they've curated these kind of different curated chats, lots of writers, and you can go on and learn all these different courses. So last, I guess not last September anymore, it's two Septembers ago, 2019, I came home from this trip to Israel, this uh, industry trip where I was on this really great, I don't know, it, it was with a lot of food professionals and it's called Reality and it's you know an organization that does a lot of charity work and they take these curated trips to Israel with different people in the industry. And I was you know one bartender on this trip out of 30 people, which is very rare. Usually it's like all bartenders. We were there and it was a lot of career questioning and, and leadership is a big part of what they do. So they, I try to identify people who are leaders and give them these tools. So we were doing all these workshops and I had kind of come to the point, I just kind of on this trip, you know, just decided, you know, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, wow, I just really want like a, a really cool project that I can just kind of part all my knowledge, you know, out there in the world. And, and I don't know what it is, but I'll figure out what that is. And then two days later, I get back and I haven't you know, a message in my inbox on LinkedIn from this company called masterclass.com. And they're like, Hey, we're trying to reach you. We want to talk to you. And I was like, what on earth is this? So I answer it, give them my email, uh, meet the the woman who was recruiting me. She flew to New York and came to my restaurants and we, we met up and just talked about the industry. And she's like, okay, well, if you had a class, what would you teach? And I was like, well, this is the first cocktail class. There's so much we have to teach. <laughs> I'm like, 
I'm like, there's so many things people need to learn. And so I was like, well, I'd like to be extremely classic and and figure out, you know, just all the different steps, all those things you you learn when you're onboarding as a new, when you're bringing up a new bartender, right? Someone's just getting into that. These are all the things people need to know. And they were uh, also speaking to uh, my dear friend, Ryan Chetty Wardena, or Ryan Chetty, Mr. Lion. And he was, you know, he does really cool stuff. I didn't know until we did Masterclass together that his, uh, his family's background, his mom's a chef. So we actually both really appreciated food and, and that sort of part of it. We're doing like really cool, unique, crazy things. So it was kind of the perfect counterpoint. So we filmed last December 2019. We, you know, did our classes. We worked together on one day to kind of some of the content that we do together. And then months later, they edited the whole series together. They launched our class March 5th, 2020. So this past year, uh, like you said, they've been putting our face everywhere. We've had so many people take the class. I have lots of fans who have been, you know, making their drinks and it's been entertaining them. And it feels really great to connect with these people. And, you know, we had a, a little get together with, uh, we had a cocktail contest with the community. And so we did a New Year's Eve party for them. And, and just to see what, what people were doing at home was so creative and clever. And it was just like this really cool moment. And so, I've been extremely fortunate. And like I said, for someone like me who normally is traveling and teaching, this was a really unexpected opportunity that gave me a chance to keep teaching and doing what I do, even if I'm grounded. So <laughs> it's, been, well, uh, it's been crazy. <laughs> well, the classes look just super cool. And I love seeing your face all the time, all over social media. It says masterclass. I'm like, I know whose face is on this. I know who they're <laughs> going to talk about. My friend is pretty cool. Um, but if our listeners want to take one of these masterclasses, where do they find it? Sure. Masterclass.com. You go on there. They have subscriptions that are either annual subscriptions, or you can take different classes um, based on that. I currently have a class up for auction with uh, F focus on health. So F-O-H-E-A-L-T-H.org with a personal happy hour with me that I've donated to, to their organization for. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You'll see content on social media as well. I'm at drinks at six on Instagram. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. I'm really uh, enjoying the randomness in a good way, like getting just a note from someone, you know, and these are cocktails we know, but like, you know, I, I taught just teaching them how to make Dale's whiskey smash. It's been really fun to just see people get creative and be able to share some of that knowledge that that's been out there that we know. But yeah, we know all this stuff and <laughs> just didn't know people didn't know it. I think it's super cool. And I think it's so fun um, when you have the at home bartenders, right? And you teach them how to make a lemon twist mm -hmm. or you know something that, you know, we just see as being so simple and. I don't use the word basic, I guess, but it's so fun to see people's eyes light up when you teach them something new. Oh, yeah. It's like second nature to us, but it's mm -hmm. also, you know, when you watch some of the other, when I was watching some of the other classes, you know, I, I got really into the foodie ones. And it's like, how to properly cook a steak. I'm like, yeah, that seems so basic. It's not. There's a real <laughs> technique to it. Uh, so that's been really fun. And I think, you know, I'm just excited for the the creative collaboration and and just kind of really appreciated um, the organization, the, the CEO, his grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. And so he, when I, this is kind of what really got me into this company. She was a Holocaust survivor. And she said to him that the one thing they couldn't take away was education. So the biggest thing for him when starting the platform was to get all of these people to his mind was to put all this education in one place from so many different things. So that way 
you can put it out there and it can be accessible, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I had no idea the backstory of Masterclass. I just knew that you were the face of it. So <laughs> that's what I knew. Um, what's next for you, Lynette? What What's next? What's next? I mean, one, it's going to be shoveling my driveway tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's snowing small here right goals, now again. Small so. goals. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm excited to see what's next, to be honest. Um, I did launch, like I'm starting to work with some interesting projects. So I just launched a CBD non-alcoholic product called Aplos. And it was it was just something else I was doing. Like all these things in fall 2019, I was working on all these things and they've just randomly launched during pandemic. I loved the challenge of, of thinking about how to make a spirit with no alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it was just a really cool thing where... We're doing really well. We sold through like all of our, you know, our exceeded expectations with the launch, which is great. And I think, you know, our consumers who are are buying it are giving us really great feedback and it's really fun to be part of a startup. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's been really cool. I think I'm interested in exploring more of those sorts of things. I'm definitely very interested in helping the industry get back. So, you know, working more with Restaurant Workers Community Foundation in our, you know, we put together a, a courses guide um, in three different languages, actually, I think four, four different languages that we can make sure that it's getting out to the communities that need it. And then I'm working with Tales of the Cocktail this year. I'm the education director for, uh, I'm one of, I'm the business co-chair. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm working with Jan Ferguson from Scotland and he and I are the two uh leads on business, which really excited because we just welcomed a whole new team of global uh, committee members. So really excited to work on that. And I think we're all kind of really committed to seeing how as a world, (laughs) we can all come together with the best ideas for coming back to business. Um, And so really excited for the people that are going to be contributing to that. So if you haven't submitted a seminar and are interested in submitting a seminar, Tales of the Cocktail seminars are open for submissions till March 15th. So please bring all the ideas. We want to see creativity. You know, if you've got business ideas or there's the culture um, seminars and then there's Beyond the Bars. So there's different types of seminars for everybody. So if you have a great idea or want to put something out in the world, go ahead and sign up. And then I'm going to see where the world takes me. I guess, you know, we're opening, getting ready to relaunch here in New York. So the two restaurants that I'm working with. Um, they, we launched one on February 14th, the other will open, um, March 1st, um, with our outdoor and figuring all that out. So it's some new menus, working on some R and D and kind of working with my team. I think it's a big part of this time is to help them find their voice. So while I have a bit more time around them, really figuring out, you know, what kind of systems I can put in place that'll help them grow. And, and I'm incredibly impressed by how much that they've all managed to take on. Uh, during this time and see them grow and, and really tackle things, but really excited to give them more resources as, as things can progress. And, you know, I have to say all the brands have been really wonderful um, and all everyone reaches out. And so thank you to everyone who, who has reached out. I think it's been very rare that like someone is not like picked up the phone and be like, Hey, no, you're going to reopening. Just let us know we're here. That's um, great. I think that's the most important thing. So thank you to everyone done that. I've had a lot of my Southern reps have been awesome just checking in. So uh, it, it's, it's really, it's really great for that kind of support. And then we'll see whether what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the one place you want to travel, you know, when the world opens back up, because I know that you 
go everywhere under normal circumstances. <laughs> you are always on a, on the road. You are a frequent flyer. So, you know, what's on that bucket list? Oh, man. Uh, I'd like to go back to Japan. Uh, I spent one one week there right before we opened Lama-san. And we were like running, running, running to get to all the different foods. So, but I'd really like to go and explore more of Japan and get to, especially now that I've learned all about the, you know, more about the Japanese whiskeys and the shochus and things. I'd really, and, you know, lots of sake tastings. I really want to go see some of these places, uh, some of these farms where they're growing, you know, these sweet potatoes that sound amazing and, and just kind of experience that. So Japan would be a big one on my list. I always, I, I love Australia too. So I figure I just want to have, handle the eastern side of the world. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That sounds so good. I'm just, ha- I, w- I would just be happy to go past my driveway at this point. So I know it's true. It's uh, like, I, I do, I, I do think my first trip might end up being Puerto Rico. Um, I've had a, a client event that's gotten pushed and pushed and pushed. And so we're like, well, maybe it'll happen in fall. So mm-hmm. that might be the first business trip that I go on. will be to Puerto Rico, which I will not be upset about doing. <laughs> Can you leave our listeners, Lynette, with some advice during this time that we're living in? Can you, you know, give them some, some sound direction? I think a lot of us, you know, myself included, you know, we're always digging deep uh, during this time, digging our heels in and really trying to find our way. So what, what do you say to our listeners? I would say one of the things that I'm much better giving this advice than I am at taking it while the, while it's time, you know, I know, I think it's been complicated, you know, we've gone from working in spaces to now working from home and being really clear about them and kind of figuring out for yourself. Um, and this is a good time to take an audit, audit of things in your life, you know? And, um, I saw this woman speak before and she had this great system and she, she was like, you know, you want to fill up the bucket with things that complete you and start throwing away the things that deplete you. And I think this is kind of that time for people to really like, if there is an idea or something you've been thinking about and that makes you happy, try to find the time to think about what steps you want to make to go towards that. I think that's, you know, I find that to be like the best advice I can give anyone. And I'm, I'm still learning that, you know, I'm still figuring out what are those things that I want to be doing for the next 10 years, 100%, this is where I'm going. And I'm going to figure that out during this time. I think this is a time of reflection um, to figure that out. So complete, yes, deplete, get rid of it. I love that. Yes, yes, deplete, get rid of it. Only hang it's on like a Marie Kondo of like life, I guess. <laughs> It's amazing. Well, listen, Lynette, I want to thank you so much for being unserved up. I know that your time is so valuable. Thank you. And thank you for being you and all the great work that you do for our community. So I, w- I just want to take a minute just to wish you, you know, great health and a lot of peace. And thank oh, you, my, thank you, my you. friend. <laughs> of course. And thank you for this opportunity. I love I think it's it's really great to see. Uh, I love that you've creatively done this during this time because this is a great outlet for all of us. It's, like, it's almost like we get to hang out for, yeah. for a moment and that makes me really happy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I wish you all my best. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Killed the Lion can be found on Spotify. 
Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!